0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Shifting gears right now and, uh, of course, uh, highlighting a number of issues, including Africa's debt crisis. It does remain a pressing concern and also casting a shadow over the continent's economic prospects and development aspirations as well. And over the past decade, the surge in government debt across numerous African countries has reached alarming levels, uh, posing significant challenges uh, for both fiscal sustainability and also the country's economic growth or countries on the continent as well. And as the burden of debt continues to mount, African nations are forced to allocate substantial portions of their revenue to debt servicing, uh, diverting resources away from essential sectors such as uh, health and even education. And uh, recent developments, while offering uh, glimmers of hope, underscore the persistent struggle faced by many African countries in managing their debt obligations. And despite some nations uh, accessing international financial markets, The borrowing cost remains prohibitively high, and it also exacerbates this debt burden even further. And when you look at the situation, it's been exacerbated by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and also uh, the climate-related challenges, uh, highlighting this urgent need for innovative solutions to address Africa's debt crisis. And in this dialogue, we are honoured to to host uh, Professor uh, Danny Bradlow who's a distinguished academic and senior research fellow at the University of uh, Pretoria's Centre for Advancement of Scholarship and with his expertise in international finance development uh, Professor Bradlow offers invaluable uh, insights into the complexities of Africa's debt crisis and also uh, proposes uh, innovative solutions to help alleviate its impact on the continent's socio-economic development also joining us is Dr. Begim Feger, who's a development economist and executive director at uh, SE. Advisory. A pleasure to have you both on the program this morning. Uh, I'll start with uh, Professor Danny Bradlow. Uh, uh, Prof, when you you look at Africa's debt crisis, it has reached alarming levels, if you will, uh, with the total external debts uh, soaring from 74.5% of export earnings in 2010 to a staggering 140% in 2022. So, in your view, what are the primary drivers behind the surge in government's at debt across uh, African states, and how is it impacting their fiscal sustainability?
1: I, I mean thank you for having me um, it really it is a serious problem. Debt at that level is putting a huge stress on government finances um because it means that they have to allocate, as you said, so much of their resources to funding their debt. um the pandemic has certainly uh, exacerbated that because of the uh, amount of money that governments had to allocate to help their populations deal with the pandemic. Um, Part of the challenge is debt is a contract and uh, you're expected to live up to your contracts regardless of what is happening in the rest of the economy or the rest of your your life. That's true for individuals as well as for governments. The problem is, is that if a company gets into trouble and has to uh, declare bankruptcy, there's a legal process for dealing with that that says, bring in all the creditors, not just the uh, the loans that you have outstanding or those debts, but all the everyone that you owe obligations to, so workers, pensioners, the tax authorities, everybody, and let's work out something that's viable for everyone there isn't a similar process when a sovereign gets into, when a country gets into problems. Mm. And the result is that they sit down with the financial creditors, so the bondholders or the, the World Bank, the African Development Bank, bilateral creditors. And and the only thing they think about is the contracts and the debt that they owe to those particular entities. Mm. And so that biases the whole process in a way towards uh, favoring the interests of those particular creditors. And, So that makes
0: the situation a lot worse. Dr. Mfega, let me also add you to this conversation. And we did cite the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, uh, climate-related challenges uh, having further compounded Africa's debt woes. Uh, How do you assess the resilience of uh, African economies specifically in the face of these dual crises? and, And what measures can be taken to mitigate the impact on debt sustainability?
2: Well, thank you for having me, Chancellor. Well, we the, the global geopolitics and the effect it has on you know inflation globally has tended to affect uh, African countries, uh, precisely because of the nature of their trade, and uh, we've seen that quite a number of factors can be looked at when we look at uh, the, the escalating debt. But most often is uh, the, 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 uh, the ability not to control what happens elsewhere because it will affect exchange rates, the prices of commodities in, in oil-producing countries, for example and so on and so on. Even in our countries, South Africa, you find that the mining companies are reliant on the exchange rate mm. uh, 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 weakening, which is odd for, for us as citizens. And, and the governments are struggling to, to deal with those challenges. Then coupled with uh, fiscal management, you know, because those short-term fluctuations that happen as price changes, Mm. requires solid medium to long-term planning, which is often lacking in many countries. But those countries that have been able to manage their affairs properly, dealing with corruption and illicit financial flows, Mm. they are able to maximize on during good times when you have boom prices, they are able to do better in managing those surpluses. But those countries that have poor fiscal management, I mean, I mean poor uh, fiscal management, you yeah. find them struggling in the short term and and misusing whatever surplus and so on
0: mm-hmm. and failing
2: mm-hmm. to diversify their, 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 their trade, which is still the case in many. South Africa has, uh, has done poorly lately in terms of fiscal management.
0: Yeah. Professor Bradlow, we've heard from Dr. Mfega and when we look at more research, it, it does highlight this uh, disproportionate allocation of resources towards debt servicing also at the expense of essential sectors. We've mentioned the healthcare and education sectors in many of these countries. Uh, What are the long-term implications of this trend for, call it human development outcomes and uh, social stability in Africa?
1: So in a way they are two competing trends in in a sense because Clearly, if you're allocating too much money to paying back your debt and not enough to health and education mm. and other social welfare uh, programs, the long-term impact is serious because it means that uh, the children of today will be, uh, have had a less good education than they need to survive in the world of the future. Public health will go down. So the long-term impact of that is bad. On the other hand, it's important to remember if debt is used well, borrow money to do something that's going to be more productive and that over time should improve the economy and generate the income that you need to pay back the debt, and it should become easier as your economy grows. So if if debt is being used well in that way and the economy is growing, then the long-term impact can be less, Um, but it's balancing those two, the, the potentially good impact of debt, Versus the cost of having to service that debt rather than invest in in your own people uh, is a is a dilemma that many governments face, and one of the problems is often they use borrowing money to invest in long term projects, but they're having to pay the money back quicker than the project itself generates income, um, and. Uh, as Dr. Mfeka was saying, you know, if you you don't diversify the sources of income in your economy, mm. not trading mm. more broadly, then it becomes much harder because you're too dependent on commodities that have variable prices. Right. And so that, and in a sense, that's where trading with the rest of Africa offers great opportunities and potential for for South Africa as well as the rest of the continent.
0: Dr. Mfega, with this in mind. Uh- how can policymakers then strike a balance between debt obligations and social spending priorities as well?
2: Well, uh, that's a, a very important question, uh, which I thought with our policy in South Africa, for example, which was, we call it counter cyclical. In yeah. other words, when you have challenges, you discipline how you spend you try to strike the balance and be and able to, to, to go through seasons because some seasons do not last long, depend, depending what's the cause of the slump. Like right now we have uh, Russia, uh, Ukraine crisis, and crisis in the Middle East. If that is contained, you will actually to see improvement. Mm-hmm. Then we are able to, when things are good, then government must invest, as Professor saying, invest in more investment related capacities before unfortunately you're dealing with politics. Like we're going to elections, there's you know there's there's, there's you know, pressure to to, to respond to, to 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 the electorate in terms of more populist type of budgets like you're you know, we are talking now uh, social uh, uh, what called income,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Like grants and so on and so on. So those tend to put pressure because they are not any any interest and and long term. It's difficult to contain. Mm-hmm. So those are the biggest challenges.
0: Professor Bradlow, uh, some academics advocate for a new approach to sovereign debt restructuring that incorporates a a broader range of considerations, including environmental, social and uh, governance dimensions. Uh, Could you elaborate on how such an approach would differ from existing debt restructuring mechanisms and what steps can African countries take to promote its adoption?
1: So, I, I mean, it seems to me that given the world we live in where climate change is a reality, Uh, where inequality and unemployment are important factors in many countries, including our own. The need to uh, incorporate those factors into how you think about debt and how you think about financial transactions is, is essential. And I think it's now been recognized by everyone that that has to begin happening. How it begins happening is going to be complicated. It can be alleviated. Because there are a series of international norms and standards um, that different actors have agreed. So some, for example, in the UN setting, some in the OECD, some civil society groups, some business groups have established norms and standards that they've said they want to live by or that they should live by. And it seems to me that what Africa would do is to say, look, the current arrangements for managing countries in debt crisis are not working for any, anyone. Um, As you know, Zambia uh, defaulted on its debt almost three years ago, and it still hasn't reached an agreement with its creditors. That's in no one's interest. It harms Zambia. The creditors are not gaining. It's in everyone's interest to come up with a more effective arrangement. And so for Africa to say, we we need a new effective arrangement, Mm -hmm. and we have some ideas on how that could be done, in a way that acknowledges that every country has its own peculiarities and need to be dealt with on their own. But there's a general framework that we can use that everyone agrees with
0: mm, mm. that
1: comes out of these international principles which we've all accepted, including the biggest financial institutions in the world.
0: Very interesting. Uh, Professor Amfega. as we wrap up our conversation, but also as, we, uh, or as Africa navigates its uh, debt crisis – What role do international organizations, uh, bilateral partners and the global community play in in supporting African countries in really managing their debt burdens, but also importantly, achieving sustainable economic development?
2: Well, there's a big role to play, especially as there's so much pressure for Africa to respond to, to climate change interventions. We know that the developed countries have made allocations for climate mitigation and adaptation, and those can be managed properly and the proper terms that are appropriate for different countries can be entered into. Of course, uh, bilateral and, uh, institutions and multilateral institutions have a role, even in, in, in terms of writing off some debt, as we've seen G20 and the G7 have done in the past and they continue to do to find you know, better ways of dealing with the debt. I think what is also more important is for. Uh, African countries themselves mm. to be more transparent in, 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 in arranging these debts, uh, as well as in restructuring them, for people, to, to uh, the population to have an understanding and to have, uh, you know, to bear with the policymakers mm. In, in, mm. In, in proposing these deal. and also efficiencies within economies, avoiding wastage. Mm. And dealing with corruption, because if you don't deal with that, it's just a big hole that will never be filled in the next few generations. You can ask Argentina, for it mm-hmm. they are still dealing with huge uh, uh, debts that was uh, lost control completely. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Professor Bradlow, a similar question to you: uh, How can collaborative efforts be strengthened to ensure a more equitable and and effective response to Africa's debt challenge?
1: I, I think the most powerful would be if Africa can speak with one voice, can say that this: um, this is you know we, we've together together we've worked out what we need to do, and here's our proposal of how African debt can be handled more effectively. I think that's an important thing, and then, as we said, it could be to promote more transparency amongst African governments on how they borrow, so their populations know what's happening with their debt and what their responsibilities would be, relying more on these international norms and standards um, These sorts of things would uh Africa can advocate, and I think there's a receptive they'll get a good reception mm. to that, um but they also need to promote uh, african development so that the need to borrow externally goes down yeah um so that we you know we borrow in a more manageable way
0: let me thank you both My um, i guess that's a dr begim as well as a professor dandy bradlow you've been listening to a power 98.7 podcast for more podcasts visit power 987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts